shut the fuck up about it. I'm just very sensitive. Bro. Buckle up. How exciting. Should put a blanket over my dick. <laughs> <laughs> just, just not expand. It never explains. <laughs> she, she was a pillow. Just it was a pillow. <laughs> Welcome back to Buckle Up, baby. Episode 16. We are sorry we were not available last week. Mm. I was in Florida. <laughs> it's a family guy. You know how family guy is just deeply embedded in yeah, us? Yeah, there yeah. are just lines from the past. I don't even watch That's the show. from the Jeffersons clip, right? Um, my Florida. name's Florida. <laughs> Florida. Yeah. And it's just that, like Billy Madison used to have lines like that yeah. in our bones that just come out. Like, like I'll just go once in a while. Goo! Yeah. And we all know that's Billy Madison looking at the pee. I always say, oh, oh you sound just like him. That's from Billy Madison also. The, one of these little, <laughs> tiny little throwaway lines. That is a tiny one. Do you know what I'm talking about? Say it again. When he goes, he goes, oh, that was great. You sound just like him. And he sounds nothing like him. No, no, that's, that's not the joke. Oh, the what was it's it? It's when, um, when uh, one of his like dad's friends does the Eric's weasel laugh. He goes, <laughs> he goes, hey, that was pretty good. He sounds just like him. Yeah. He's like, do it again. He Carl. He asks Carl. Carl, yeah. Hey, Carl, Carl, do it again. Yeah. <laughs> Who says he sounds? Billy says that. Oh, yeah. he sounds just like him. Yeah. I will say, Adam Sandler was the master of creating private jokes for all of us in that era. In, that in era. his movies, they were so dense with these little lines. Yeah. Like, uh, damn alligator bit my hand off. <laughs> like, you can say all yeah, those Yeah, things. yeah, yeah. I mean, you can't even quantify. This, you eat no, pieces of Simpsons. shit for breakfast? The Simpsons invented it. I'm sure they invented it. I didn't watch any for of me. the Simpsons. In our you day. You watch the, the Simpsons? No. No. Is that a, is it, is it, it was a cartoon yeah, or it was live w- action? <laughs> <laughs> I never. I. The Simpsons. Uh, I'm talking about the movie. Simpsons, the movie. No, you're not. <laughs> no. The, you never what? The Simpsons for oh me God. is like the Grateful Dead in the sense that. I benefit from everything The Simpsons influenced. Yeah. But the source itself, I never could get into. It's almost too... wild. That makes so much sense also. Why? It's, um... Too smart for me? No, it's just, it's the type of thing... It's just the type of thing you wouldn't engage with. Go on. No, it's it's not that it's too... It's not that it's too smart. Uh, I don't know. Uh, this this might take uh, the whole episode to to really tease out. Why would I not appreciate The Simpsons? But like everything, The Simpsons influenced. It's The Simpsons isn't so like The Simpsons is not like immediate, entertain entertainingly fun. The same way Family Guy is. It's not as tight. It's no, no. It, it's tight, but it's not. Um, it's, it's not overt. as fun. Mm. As as other stuff, and I, it, it's it wouldn't you like fun sh- shot right to the arm mm-hmm. comedy? Yeah, I think so. Less than like conceptual or it, yeah, cerebral comedy. Right. It's a little bit cerebral. It's definitely. I mean, it's definitely. Cerebral. What would you say then about South Park, which is shot to the arm and cerebral? It might it might be a great blend of both, which it is. is why it's so great because they hit you right in the gut, and the macro of a South Park episode makes yeah, you think. Right, the macro is is so what's... after you've watched the show, you're like, wow, they made a lot of great points. But yeah. in and of itself, what you're experiencing is is right to the gut with South Park. Yes, you're laughing your ass it's off, dirty and farts and Simpsons and even Curb and things like that. You're going, oh my god, 
Right. Kerb, I mean, you're not going, I can't. Right. Some people think Curb, Curb is, can get there. It can get there, yeah. but there's also these like moments of, of discomfort, right. Curb in the office, things like that, yeah. where you're just like, right. oh my God, this is so crazy what's happening. Like you don't watch But Seinfeld. you're not laughing. You don't watch Seinfeld. I didn't love Seinfeld. Wait, can I guess what else you don't watch now? Sure. Um, Keep in mind, I don't, I don't watch a lot of TV anymore because I just yeah. TikTok for hours. But You don't watch Rick and Morty? No. For sure not. Um... Um, this is fun. You mm. never watched The Wire. You no. never watched Sopranos. No, no. Um, you never watched Veep. No, but I heard I would love Veep. Although, although I think you would like. I Veep. just missed that because yeah. it was too much in the current day that I just missed it on my radar. Yeah. Um, People said you should watch The Wire, you, but would you, you, The Wire be a show that I love to hate, even though everybody loves it, or I would hate it? I don't the know. Wire. I don't think you'd have the patience to uh, wait for it to get good. It's right. it's a it's a low, slow, slow, right. slow burn. Um, you probably love Roseanne. <laughs> I never really watched Roseanne. Um, I love like everybody Game of Thrones except for the end of season seven right, and all of eight. Right. So that's unanimous. It was um, hard to. That I'm was a brilliant. I'm trying show. to think of comedy, but like comedy, comedy though shows. It's hard to think of like really great. Comedy what do I love? Series. What have I loved? Obviously, this you know, of this of the comedy stuff that I've loved. What have you loved? What stuff have I been into over the years? I mean, you you can guess like, it. Uh, animated stuff. Yeah. Or? It's all. The right to the gut stuff, right? Right. What is it? Like, give me. Uh, I'm trying to think of one. Family Guy. Family was, Guy was huge for me. Once yeah. upon a time, I used to just devour Family yeah. Guy. There. I mean, they've gone on too long. American right? Dad, you love. No, I never <laughs> just that joking. One. No one oh my American god, Dad. I never watched that show. My friend <laughs> David binged it, which I thought was funny. It's a funny thing to binge, American Dad. Yeah, <laughs> no, I never got into the post-Family Guy stuff. But early Family Guy stuff hit me so hard. I love Jim Carrey. I love Robin Williams. Yeah. I love the guys who just you can't, right. are undeniable. Yeah. And, yeah, there's an overtness to them. Not that they're not clever and whatever. I don't like guys who just scream. Did you, did you like Will Ferrell, that whole era? Yeah, so Will Ferrell is so committed mm -hmm. and... There's a lot of funny there. I'm not like a critic. I like him. Sure, yeah. it cracks me up. The era of his comedy to me is not as good as the era, say, of the Jim Carrey comedy. Did you? Right. You know, especially like the Judd Apatow comedy. To me, most of his movies are boring at a certain point. They just they say, slow yeah. down. Yeah. They're not funny anymore. Yeah. They get into drama and boring it. Remember the movie Funny People? It like gets yeah, to this point where like movie. this is a drama and it's and and they just That's they lose weird. steam. And they just drift, and they need to be edited down. By most of his movies, need to be forty-five yeah. minutes shorter. And some of the jokes jokes are cheap; they're just a little bit like dirty, raunchy, outrageous. What mm -hmm. can we say here that will uh, that will just be outrageous and shock value? But to, right. the individual talent is there. And I also thought this is the end was one of the best movies. I love that movie. It was just that, great. yeah, that was a fun. That was a fun. That was probably the most fun. Movie. Oh, well, him and Franco, the, the Rogan Franco. That, those are fun. Yeah, the, the interview, sure, sure. Pineapple Express. But when you watch like me, myself, and Irene, yeah, it's like tops comedy. Right, it's just the best. Did you like uh, like so like the Farrelly like uh, and I like performance comedy. Together. I really like I like performative comedy yeah, yeah, a lot. So um, who does that now? Who's as opposed like to the, conceptual, who's comedy? the king of that now? Of, of performative comedy, yeah. Who gets me every time? It's a good question. Um, I mean, we both love Tim Dillon in a sense. He's performative. Yeah, but I mean, like, who's making movies or, or TV or sketches uh, or something? Key and Peele. Key and Peele, yeah. My fave. Yeah. Of the modern day, yeah. kills me. Yeah. Amazing writing. They don't really do stand-up stuff that much. Good. The sketch stuff. Yeah. 
and Eric Andre. Oh yeah. King. I love Did you see his new movie? Yes. So Bad funny. trip. I laughed so hard. So, is he, yeah, you, you yeah. Just, I, love, I love that stuff also. And Jackass Forever is coming out. I'm very excited yeah, about yeah, that. Yeah. I've been seeing Johnny not you see Johnny Knoxville on Howard Stern? No, I don't the, I've never I don't watch the episodes. ever been into Howard Stern. Yeah, but they release clips now on YouTube to kind of bait newer yeah. generations of people to the show or just get them to come. And he was on the show. He's yeah. a fascinating person because, mm-hmm. like, Howard asked some good questions. What, what attracts you to this danger? Why do you want to die so bad? What do you think it is that you want to take these risks? What is it? And on this last movie, he got this concussion from this bull stunt where he, like, had impaired cognitive ability that he had to get special treatment for, electroshock therapy, to bring him back Oh wow! <laughs> he was like, "Yeah, so that wasn't fun." <laughs> I mean, he he was serious but about he it. And he says, like, "This so is so hard." <laughs> but 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 the risks he takes he he takes for the art is really it's so pure. Like he really he's like, "I didn't want to do a movie, but Jackass." I've been writing these ideas, and yeah, I don't know. I just I, he couldn't. He, do, do you think he like gets up in the morning and sits with his coffee and notepad and he's like, "Bat balls." A hundred percent. Writes down ideas. He's a lot of the brainchild behind some of these stunts and what he can push. Isn't it funny to imagine writing them down? <laughs> yeah, I get it. Yeah, like sure. Jerry Seinfeld does every day. Like, let's Cliff Balls. Cliff Balls. Steve O's nuts. If we cut yeah. it in half, door penis. But it's you know, and he's like, he's very humble about it in some of these interview clips, yeah. and he just talks about it like anybody would talk about their art form in the purest sense. Like, this is what we've done. We've done it as friends when we were skateboarding and punks and back in the day and people liked it. So we kept doing it. And he was writing bits for this last Jackass movie that's coming out Jackass forever for the last decade, even though Mm -hmm. he didn't plan on doing another one. But he said his father always loved Jackass and his father was dying and he, and he didn't get a chance to tell him that he was making another movie, but that was sort of his push to really go for this net last one. And then after that, and then he talks about his kids and how they had to eventually explain to his kids what he is and who he is. This is Johnny Knoxville. And was just like, um, you know, I'm proud of the work I've done, but I don't want my son going anywhere near it. It was just an interesting, an interesting thing. But Jackass killed killed me. The movies yeah. killed me. Bad Trip, Eric Andre, who's a cameo in the new Jackass movie. Oh, good. Kills me. So, that. yeah, those are the good answers to those, those questions. Two Modern comedians about like Jackass. And Key and Peele. You know, Steve-O's father was the CEO of, like, a huge company oh we talked about this once how like t- to do what steve-o does you he either have to be really poor or really rich as a kid oh he's a rich kid yeah he grew up he yeah he was a really rich kid who we've was said just, this who before right? by his father yeah you either have all the time in the world yeah. or, or all the time in the world <laughs> exactly and bam margera now is like is, is like a real addict like he's not allowed he doesn't have he's at a conservatorship the same way britney spears was except he's allowed to handle his money that's what I heard. Steve-O has this awesome podcast where he well, goes dude, around the country. So his voice got even raspier, yeah, you know, dude. Bad. And I was just like, I was on the trunk of my car, and I said, lock me inside and throw me in a river. I'll see if I can get out, dude, just because like, I wanted to see. So I was like drowning, and this shark came and bit off my foot, and I was like, holy shit, that's radical. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's even worse than that. That was That was like... His voice, like ten years ago. Now it's like like an alien, like it's way up there, dude. He yeah. like he lost all the bottom end. Yeah, but he wears these glasses, so he looks very sophisticated. <laughs> he was on Rogan too recently, talking, and they were just like telling him. Was he really? Yeah, he was, or maybe not recently, but there are clips yeah. of him circulating on Rogan oh, on yeah? YouTube because oh. you know I don't watch TV anymore, just YouTube. Right, right, right. So I find these clips, and he's telling Rogan these stories. And, you know, what they have just they personified like the crazy kid you knew in high school that would just go to those limits. 
or like throughout your life, <clears throat> these are the friends that you were like, they just tested the boundaries of everything. He's like, I, he's like, oh, I almost got arrested. And he's like, I almost got arrested in D.C. because I climbed onto the Lincoln Memorial. And the cop told me if I if I post, I won't I won't issue a federal warrant. But if I see these videos online, I will. And I just released the videos because <laughs> I, I thought it was so cool. I, like I just saw Lincoln. I was like, I got to climb that, dude. <laughs> Like no inhibitions with these people; they just aren't afraid of whatever co- of those consequences. Yeah, what it, the thrill of the experience is just worth it to them. Yeah. I read a review today in IndieWire that said the thrill of watching them <laughs> is you're watching people who know they're never gonna die. Yeah, and that or and they're not afraid. It's to? cathartic to watch that. Who do, who don't think they're ever gonna die? And it's refer- it's it's just nice to watch people who do that. Yeah, there's something awe inspiring about these limits we all have that are like safe and normal and someone to just go beyond them. It's yeah. like watching, it's watching a stunt man. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Bam is an addict and, um, <laughs> wow. We didn't expect to go here, but this yeah. is just breaking the ice. Yeah. It was very sad. They were talking about, um, Ryan Dunn. Uh, the, uh, well, he was interviewing Bam's friend who's, who's also an addict, Jeez. but he, I mean, he's like, he's clean and he's running like a program now for other addicts. Mm-hmm. And then they were just saying, like, you know, Bam doesn't have a phone. Like, no one can get in touch with him. He's, like, living with his parents. He, he's like, not in he this mass movie, he, I guess? No, I don't think so, because he's, he's, like, not. Like, part of his recovery is, like, he's not allowed to, mm-hmm. to like, do things Whoa. that, like, put him into, with any access to, like, to money or drugs. Um, yeah, no, it was right. I had no idea that that was going on with him. I thought he was, like... Yeah, last uh, I spoke to Bam, um, I mean, things seemed okay. <laughs> <laughs> Well, he had that show with his whole family in the 90s with yeah, his, yeah. his dad. Phil. <laughs> Phil and April. Oh, that was such an era. And Uncle uh, Vito. <laughs> was that? Yeah. Bam, Jackass and Bam were a big part of junior, our, senior year for us. They yeah. were our, what Gen Z's TikTok is, like those, that, that. Yeah. Dominated. We're having the Goldstein twins on next week. <laughs> we, we are? are open invitation guys yeah you press play on that right yeah okay um, um yeah <laughs> so this so this week something happened to me that i want to talk about on the on the podcast um just about um a friend of mine i reached out to a friend of mine um because i was in the city i asked him if he wanted to get a drink and catch up and we met and um i was blue-pilled you were blue pilled. I was blue pilled by a friend. By a good friend of mine. Yeah. Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> what? I just said his name under oh, my yeah, breath. Oh yeah, yeah. You um, were blue pilled. I was blue pilled, which oh, um, red pilled is when you. Um, it's like the it's a callback to the Matrix. Mm-hmm. You have the choice between the blue pill and the red pill. So in the conspiracy theory world, getting red pilled means you're like you you start opening your mind to all the conspiracy theories or conservative ones. I don't think it's conservative. I think it's more like, um, in the modern political context, being red pilled yeah. means, Oh my God, I've been liberal all these years and now I'm totally realizing. Oh, I thought it, it meant just like, I, I'm like red pill. Like I believe every conspiracy theory now cause my mind is so blown. I don't even know what to believe. Semantics. Anymore. But the term is used like, Oh, this liberal who was prominent got red pilled and is now much more conservative. So, well, so I, I got blue pills in the sense that he, he brought me back from the edge of, of the Rogan verse. 
Oh, so you don't mean you're like a total like communist liberal now? No, no, I, I just mean... All right, that's better. I thought you were saying he showed me all these crazy lefty ideas and I'm like totally bought no, in. No, no, nothing to do with lefty. More about to do with basically everything we talk about on this podcast, which is like the, the, the Joe Rogan extended universe um, and sort of poking sort of giving me a really interesting perspective of all the haters. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's a, a hater of Joe Rogan. He's, 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 he's a big, Critic, hater. He's a big, a big hater. So he, he's this friend of mine is, um, I hope he's listening to this cause I'm going to be very complimentary. He's one of the smartest people I know. One of the most independent thinkers and one of the most like, he's not at all like mainstream. I love CNN. Like he's he a physician. Is he a physician? Is he a doctor? Uh, yeah, he's a doctor. Okay, I just yeah. wanted to know who we're talking yeah, yeah, about. No, no, yeah, 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 no, you know who we're talking about. Um, but he's... Um, if he, I do this? He, like, he, <laughs> he was very, like, up on Occupy Wall Street before it was, like... Like, he was the first person I remember I was living with. He's actually it. knowledgeable. I get it. And he's very... Not, no, mm-hmm. but, no, but not only that, like, like, I was living... When Occupy Wall Street was going on, I was, like... In very much in the startup world, living with people like doing finance, I was very much like, oh, these like dirty hippies in Zuccotti Park are like yeah. are crazy. And and he he was the one who was like, they're not so crazy. They actually have like a really interesting point. Like and he he also at that point like turned me around like oh like so he's like he's coming from that world of like he doesn't just digest everything the New York Times tells him to do not just like, spit back up the talking not points. at all he's not at all fair enough very let's give smart. it credit yeah yeah now I'm gonna yeah. ask you something and then you're gonna continue. Okay. okay. <laughs> this is interesting because from my perspective where I sit now, it's very confusing to me how Joe Rogan can have detractors with such strong opinions to the extent that he does. And now you're going to make the case as to why. So so also I, I was sitting there and like I found myself um he 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 has this good line that he says where he says like when when he's with his friend when he's with his family at home mm-hmm. he's like the most pro-Palestinian person in the world when he's with like you know um you know his wife's friends he's like the most pro-Israel person in the room like you know like he shifts between like you know the crowd so so I was sitting with him I was like you know backing up Joe Rogan like crazy like defending him mm-hmm. wholeheartedly and now I'm, and now I'm going to be here like tearing him down wholeheartedly so like I'm not I'm not necessarily like anywhere. Um, but like, I don't want to, they're like, both true. You're just going to make the debate Chris- with you. I just want to let, let you know what he was, what he was saying. Fine. <laughs> so, so he was saying, I'm actually interested yeah, because yeah. I want to hear an illuminated perspective S- on what is the big deal S- with, yeah. from, well, I'll make the cases too. And then I want to hear it because I think it's important just to elaborate <laughs> first, I'll lay it out. And I know you kind of know where I stand on this because we sort of once stood on this and now you're blue pilled. So fuck that. <laughs> but the idea to me is this pushback Joe Rogan gets seemingly comes from people who probably don't really watch the show. And the reason I, and I think a lot of it is spitback people who have just taken caricatures of him, little sound bites, and have formed this caricature of Joe Rogan and this idea of him that isn't him. And they're not really giving it a fair shot. And if they even did a tiny bit, they would realize what you're watching when you watch Joe Rogan is a conversation, not somebody preaching opinions even necessarily, or, and not somebody telling you the truth uh, all the time in the sense that they know what's right, but someone at least attempting to find out what's true. And sometimes you're going to ask wrong questions and sometimes you're going to come to wrong conclusions. But the whole show is based in the context of 
conversation. I'm talking to interesting people and I'm asking the questions that I possess mm-hmm. to try to arrive at a better understanding of things. Right. How on earth can that ever be controversial? So, so his whole point was that um, I, I'm extending a courtesy to him that in any other aspect w- would be sort of like absurd. Where like, where he's like, so so it, it all started basically where where I was like, you're your doctor, like w- what do you think of these doctors Joe Rogan has, has had on his thing, mm-hmm. and and he was like, you know, I haven't listened to any of them, but but I actually think Joe Rogan's like like I, I I think like he's actually responsible for like a lot of people dying and like this whole anti-vax thing is like insane, and so so then I so then I went into like Pushback. well these doctors are highly all all that and uh, I mean I don't I don't want to uh, we can go into point by point really because because it is interesting I but, do want to understand but, yeah. what you understood no no but but gen- generally um he, he j- just applying the same critical thinking and reasoning we apply to everyone else where he's basically like you know when Anderson Cooper um gets gets to a desk and says something like. The Wuhan flu, the the Wuhan lab leak is a conspiracy theory, and anyone who says that is a crackpot, mm-hmm. like the amount that he directly benefits from that is like is like fair is like fairly limited, because you know he gets a salary, and like all the people in that organization get salaries, and, and they they make they make money, but like but 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 then you know we sort of extrapolate it to be like oh no they're all benefiting from from shutting down this conversation, et cetera, et cetera. Just everything we all say about mainstream media, mm-hmm. which all which he agrees with, by the way, like completely. When it comes to Joe Rogan... So he's not saying he trusts them and their character. No, yeah, Joe Rogan. yeah. This exactly. is his own independent critique. Exactly. Yeah, you know, he's he's not saying... For the folks. He, yeah, he's not saying mainstream media, CNN, Kibble has News, it right. all that has it right. He, he's saying, like, like for sure they don't. He's, he's like, Fox mm-hmm. News is, is an entertainment company. Like, mm-hmm. literally... On paper, they're an that's how they protect themselves against lawsuits. He's, he's like, they are not, they are not the answer. But at the same time, when a guy sits at a desk and he's he's directly making close to, he's making hundreds of thousands of dollars in Millions, his pocket for, for for every oh. episode. And the guys sitting across from him, like Malone and and McCullough, they, they also have a lot to directly gain. From these episodes, for some reason, we just take it as face at, at face value, like, oh, they're just having a conversation. So his point was sort of like, as someone who's never listened to Joe Rogan and just looks at it objectively, he's like, here's a guy who's making millions and millions and millions of dollars because he found an audience. And the more he gives this audience what they want to hear, the more money he makes. And for some reason, we're just not critical of that guy. He's, he's a nice guy. He has good intentions. Like... They do they do it at CNN, but Joe Rogan doesn't do it. He's 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 the good guy, and I'm just like, yeah, that's a fair point. Like you're right, I don't know him at all. The same way like we're getting comments on like people don't know us at all. I don't know him at all. I'm sure he is a very very nice guy. He could be this like very cutthroat business guy, who 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 is like, yeah, man, there's there's 50 million people who want to hear the anti-vax argument. I'm gonna give it to them, and I want to make a lot of money. And like I'm not doing anything wrong, and like and like I'm just having a conversation, but like, and I'm like, yeah, that's a fair, that's a fair perspective to have, you know. Like he is directly benefiting from giving this audience what they want to hear. The, and the, and the, no, 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 and, and then and then I'm like, no, but I'm like, but 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 you know, he doesn't do that because like you know, his whole thing is he just wants to learn, he's just curious, and like it all started in the basement. He's been doing it the same way, and he's like. He's like, dude, he, I mean, I'm listening to myself talk and I'm like, I sound fairly naive when I'm sitting here defending Joe Rogan's intentions. Like, I, I just do. I feel like I sound naive. 
uh, when I'm saying this. You um, let me know when I can respond, and I will. And uh, no, because no, because I, I know I know what the response is because it's the response that yeah. I gave for the most part. I mean, he and the, he. I mean, he was. There's something so fundamentally flawed with that assessment. What he did to you, you yeah. not intentionally, but he pushed a button in you that flipped your mo on itself because you're generally skeptical of power and incentives, but especially he, profit. You are personally, is, but he is, and you were like, ah, oh. so I apply that same standard to Joe Rogan as I do anyone else who's benefiting by from so much money. Well, why wouldn't you? Because what's happening on Joe Rogan and the reason he's worth all that money. Mm-hmm. Is because people responded to what he was doing in the first place. His honest conversations with people became popular mm-hmm. and therefore made him more valuable and made him worth hundreds of millions of dollars to Spotify. He didn't put that on to to get, to make this money per se. What he did, people responded to for a very particular reason. That reason being... This is an alternative to this mainstream media. And what's different about it? It's not edited. It's not contrived. It's four hours long of unscripted conversation. You can't fake that. There's no trickery going on here. Listen, he's saying I haven't even watched. So yeah. sure, there's a lot of money, but but this idea that we should be skeptical of money, money is a reflection of value in this particular yeah. sense especially. There's nothing corrupting about it in the sense that the money that he's making is because we, the audience, is rewarding him for giving us something so valuable to us, which is unscripted, honest conversation with everybody of all stripes. The guy's had communist, crazy Marxists on. He's had right-wingers on, left-wingers, entertainers, right. rock so stars. S- specific, specifically with the vaccine. I mean, so, 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 so then, we got, then we got specifically into the vaccine. His first point was that... So I'm saying just, just yeah. assessing, oh, look, this guy's making a lot of money. It must, he must be compromised. I can't buy that. Um, That's not. I, I think compromise is, is too or it, disingenuous. It, no, I, I think I think he is vulnerable to the same to the same um, sort of traps that anybody in his position would be, which is. But isn't there a point? Yeah. Which which is when 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 you find something that's working, you want to keep doing it. Understood. Yeah. Everybody has this notion of, oh, you, you get the lure of, wow, this is really working. I'm going to sort of copy what works and forget the authenticity. However, yeah. when you watch the show and listen to the conversations, yeah. so, so any critically critical, any person with ability to critically think and assess can say for them to, can, can decide for yeah. themselves. Did what I just listened to seem honest and yeah. genuine or not? So, so, so some, he's not like pulling something over us. So pulling something, up, my, pulling my, something over our heads. Something my friend brought up, which Joe Rogan brought up in his response to this whole controversy now with Spotify, yeah. which is, which is, I mean, I explained that the people that were on the show and he's like, did, um, did he have any pro vaccine people on? I was like, yeah, he had like Sanjay Gupta, but but he didn't. But he and he and he's like, did he push these McCullough and Malone as hard as he pushed Sanjay Gupta? And I was like, no, he didn't. No, because Sanjay Gupta did a horrible job. But 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 either way, I mean, wait, Joe Joe Rogan. He gave Sanjay he, Gupta he, three he, hours, he, and Sanjay Gupta said, I've never spoken to anybody for that long. He he addressed it in saying, if I have someone like Malone on. You, you should also I should also follow that up with someone on the other side of the conversation. Crystal and Cigar had a segment. Thirty. I'm saying uh, that uh, would uh, be uh, useful. I yeah. agree that would be well, useful. But okay, so, that doesn't mean no, he's but, not genuine. But the, but the no no, no yeah. And so, you made this point a few podcasts or on the last episode where you said 
if the other mainstream outlets would have these people on too, you wouldn't need Joe Rogan to be the only space where it could happen. Totally. I so so I'm 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 deep blue pilling you, and I can yeah. see it. No, I don't, I don't. So no, so I don't want to debate. I I don't want to debate about it because because I, I I agree with you. I know. I, no, I, I'm not I, debating yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. I'm debating the point that he's making yeah. being channeled through your weak biased self. No, I, I think, you're channeling a good I, yeah. argument in a sense that I understand that. But watch the episodes. It's there's no secret right. so, here. So there's no secret. Yeah, no, no, but trick. It, so, but if you watch the episode and you go point by point by yes. these doctors, these doctors are were not. I mean, so so Crystal Lagarde did, did a thirty minute segment with um, this like Stanford PhD practicing doctor mm -hmm. who it seems like he was family friends with Cigar in some capacity. Like they seem like they know him pretty well and they trust him. And uh, his his specialty is basically like studying like medical studies and like the the statistics they use yeah. so he, he was going through uh, i think malone's points mostly mm -hmm. sort of point point ball guy he, no not not ball guy there was a guy who took apart peter mccullough's episode in the fairest yeah way. so yeah so, so he's this yes. bald guy not, i think he's a doctor guy, but that. anyway no, okay. but, but but same idea they, they did have ours i mean and and he basically tore a lot of what malone was saying down it seems like someone could do that with mccullough too and what mark was saying also is like as credentialed as these guys seem to a layperson. He's like in the medical field. Um, they're not. They're not well respected. I mean, he said like the ivermectin guys, especially. He's like whatever organization they said they like represent is not like a well well known, well respected. I've seen those response videos yeah, too. Which 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 was which was really interesting, and which is something like I I was like I didn't hear that from Joe Rogan. Like yeah, but how would he know? He it's he could talk to a doctor. What do you mean? I, my friend told me this. Why wasn't any, why didn't Joe Rogan ask around? Like these guys are coming on the show. What's the deal with their organization? But Joe Rogan has pushed back when he feels he has to push back. Like he he's not afraid to push back on people. Yeah, I've seen it happen. It it, it, it seems like he has. He had a guest on a week after Malone, it, a journalist from yeah. Australia. I forget his name. Zep something. I, I'm mess. I'm mis, I'm mispronouncing the name. Where Joe Rogan was like, and what about these issues of myocarditis? And Joe's like, yeah, Jeb, myocarditis. You know your risk for the vaccine can go goes up substantially. It's like yeah, but you're aware that like you know your risk is ten times more likely for myocarditis with COVID. With COVID, yeah, yeah. And there's this moment that everyone thought Joe Rogan gets owned, but it's not owned. He's just like, oh, that's an interesting point. We don't know where that comes from. In the moment, he's not going to just change his mind. Right. But he has a guy on who disagrees with them, and they're buds and they get along. Yeah. yeah so yeah. I'm saying he's not trickery. Like he has a guy on. Great. If I if Fauci wanted to go on Joe Rogan, would Joe Rogan say no? I don't want you on. No, Fauci yeah, has every great. opportunity. Be, it's so yeah. easy to criticize from the from the yeah. press secretary and say what you want, how Joe right. Rogan is dangerous. The response to Joe Rogan is all you need to know over who's right and wrong in the right. situation. The response to Joe Rogan isn't, here's why Joe Rogan is wrong, point by point. Right. I'm gonna I'm gonna go on the show and we'll talk to Joe and I'll explain why droplets are dangerous. <laughs> If they were brave enough and, and if their points were sound enough, right. you could easily debate these. Instead, right. they're running in fear and trying to they, shut they down the conversation. They don't want to have a long conversation with anybody. They're, they're trying to shut down the conversation, yeah. which tells you right. who the honest players right. are in this game. What Neil Young, I think, should have done was release a special with Neil Young where he sits down with a pro-vax person and has this amazing special. So we can segment into listen that? to that? That would be amazing. I want to segment into that yeah. part of the conversation because that's a huge fine, topic. Fine, fine, fine. But, but let's wrap this before, up. Before we go back. I, button I, this up. I, I do think... Because... What's I do think it's here. Well, here, here's what what I want to button the whole thing up with. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna live long enough to see all these up and coming rabble rousers, Crystal Cigar, Joe Rogan, Tim mm. Dillon, Anthony Schultz, like all of them. We're gonna live long enough to see them become the man. Andrew Schultz. And what I say, Anthony. 
Anthony, I'm talking about his. You know, oh, you don't know Anthony Schultz. Oh. He's oh. like, uh, no, I'm just joking. Uh, Andrew Schultz. <laughs> yeah, we're, I, I think we're gonna live long enough to see all of them become the establishment and the, and then get get swept and get like swept under. From but beneath. before the establishment, do you think they're gonna become vindicated? I think so. I think so. Yeah, the yeah, tide yeah. is turning towards. It's so obvious I, that I think even so. even people who were all about COVID restrictions are now just saying no. This is ridiculous. I call your bluff. I mean, his point was so good on the video, but he's like, he's like, um, it was it was heresy to say that that with the vaccine you could still catch COVID. So what would this mutual friend of ours, yeah. who's very smart, say to those things? How can he? How can he have? How can Joe Rogan be his boogeyman or his yeah. subject of criticism when there's so much more malfeasance going on on the opposite side? I I, I think I think he would say. They're not mutually exclusive, and and but I also I also just the only thing I really want to take away from it is just that I think that there is a point where you have to see someone like Joe Rogan and someone with a a, a platform his power as powerful as he is as more than just some guy in his studio having fun conversations, and you just have to think about it critically at a certain point of like he he's a very powerful force, and and with that. Doesn't necessarily come responsibility, but we have to think about it critically. Yes, that, that's here's where here's why you're not actually blue pilled. You ready? <laughs> because Joe Rogan's audience likes the fact that his show demands that you think critically. When you watch Joe Rogan episodes. He's sort of representing for us at large as the critical thinker in the room to ask questions from somebody who has authority because Joe Rogan's whole premise is I'm a fucking idiot. I just have questions. Right. So, and it's and it's not it's not some it's not so, some act. He's like, I have questions and I like talking to interesting people. And that's yeah. why his podcast grew because people watch it and then they start thinking. But that whole attitude. As opposed of, to mainstream of, media, of, which is not, like, you don't have to think. Here are the answers. Um yeah, I hear. I hear it. It's, it's the reason I like the show. And and like you're you're talking to a person who's making this analysis yeah. and hasn't watched Joe Rogan. But I, I am, how absurd! I am, how absurd! <laughs> I am thinking of him, and 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 I'm also thinking about Chris. I'm, I'm thinking about all these things a little bit more. I'm, I'm giving them less of a benefit of a doubt. Granted, they're not all I, impervious to the corruption yeah. they're critiquing and criticizing. Yes, but that's saying everybody's human. That's not a profound point. But. I mean, I think it is profound because basically right now to Joe Rogan fans, Joe Rogan can do no wrong. Like, I mean, he really can do no wrong. What could he do? What, what could he do that, that that would make people not trust him? I thought of something, Mark, Mark, well, maybe we'll bleep that out. Yeah. The guy, the, our friend, it doesn't, I don't think it matters. Just don't say the last thing. It doesn't matter. The, the, the guy, the guy, my friend who was talking to was convinced that <laughs> I thought he, it was Danny. Just that, kidding. He, that he took the vaccine. <laughs> And and I was saying if if it came out that Joe Rogan took the vaccine, then and, he would be then he it, lied. that would be a huge deal to his fans. Of course, it that would. he lied, not yes. that he took the vaccine, that he yes, lied, that he lied, because he's very honest, and that's what he strives to be. So, so very very honest at, at the same in what he knows and doesn't know, and what questions he has. I'm just saying, watch the content, judge for yourself. Totally. It's so I ironic. Yeah. With all due respect to this friend who I respect, it's very ironic that his critique would be that we're all just unconditionally praising him and not thinking critically, but he hasn't watched the episodes to assess. But I think you can only, and I you get, can only have that objectivity without becoming a fan. Just to say that. Here, here, I, he's the, making a, a valid point, which yeah. is don't take everything you hear at face value. There's always another side to it, no, as, no, as no, genuine no, as it seems on that, the show. I don't think that's his point. I, I, I think his point is don't take everybody at face value. 
don't don't take Malone at face value and don't take Joe Rogan at face value that they both have the best intentions. Yeah, but like where it's, it is it, you'd have to have a in order to suspect bad intentions. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's enough to say well, it's a chicken and not, egg thing. Not bad intentions, human He's, intentions, greed, greed and and profit. Once you make so much money, doesn't it free you from caring? When you have fuck you money, who cares? I mean, to some people, some people doesn't. Hmm? Some people it doesn't. Some but the thing does. is, what makes Joe Rogan, in a sense, foolproof is that the support unconditionally from his fans relies on him being honest. That's the narrative. It's not the narrative. Yeah. It's the reason he's popular. Don't you think? Um, Why do you think people love it so much? It's yeah. finally given you this opportunity to hear people unscripted w- w- talk. Within that context, though, he can have someone on who's not quite as credentialed as as he's saying they Maybe, are. Maybe, but he's also open to having... And not quite as straightforward about what they really want. Yes, and there have been guests that have come on and then he doesn't that, have... That, that's the little space that, that he's working in. I'm just saying you won't see Joe Rogan clips. You won't see Joe Rogan misrepresenting anything. He p- p- posts the entire episode I'm not talking, I'm not unedited ta- I'm and not ta- unscripted. I'm not talking about misrepresenting, but he, he can misrepresent an issue by showing only the side he's curious on. He's curious in, which is totally but valid. But you can that's only, he, you can only know what you're curious about because you can only know what you know. Totally, but, but and it becomes look at, problematic. Look at his res- but look at his response video. It becomes problem- He didn't say, fuck all you guys. He said... It's interesting. Yeah, I'd love to have other people on. And, and you and you and you think that's so, suspect. So, so the one thing about his response video, which I didn't like. Uh, wait, wait I, I want to say the first thing first, which is, which is, it's okay to do. When a show reaches 11 million listeners an episode, that it's not the same thing as it was when you were sitting with your buddies in a basement smoking pot. It, it just isn't. And and you can either you can either say, not my problem. I have no responsibility to do anything. It's kind of like what John Stewart did on the Daily Show. Like I'm, I'm my lead in is a puppet show making crank calls. Mm-hmm. Not my problem. It's 11 million shows. You guys deal with it. I'm just doing me. Or you can say this thing that I do is not the same thing that it was, and and I, and I'm going to grapple with that. He's not grappling with it, which he has no responsibility to do. But it, but it's it's a thing that he's not dealing with. <laughs> so I speak <laughs> ill of King Rogan. <laughs> yeah. the, the the second thing. Oh, so so. In, what I'm saying in, in is, I think that video. is the best strategy he can do. Sure. What else is it for him to do? And, to and, say, and he has I'm a huge opinion. now. He makes such a concerted effort to not pedestal himself and buy into his own it, it, his it, own reach. Because it, if he does that, then he becomes compromised. It, 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 it may be that you, you can only do this show without running into serious problems until you get so big, and then you have to stop. Why do you think though? Like all he has, to, he's like, I'm just gonna keep doing what I'm doing, talking to who I want to talk to. He, he, he can. There's nothing irresponsible about that. He, he Clearly, can. people like it. He, he he can, but 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 there's when when Neil Young is taking his music off Spotify because of an episode you did. It's not. It's it's you're 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 just sort of like you're not quite you're not quite reconciling what exactly this thing is anymore. But anyway, I, I want I want to in 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 the response video. Mm-hmm. The story he gave about Neil Young, where he was a security guard, he was only he was getting paid eighteen dollars an hour, and when this fight broke out, he was just like, "Fuck it, I'm putting my hood on, and leaving." I thought it was the worst example because basically he was saying, "I don't care what my responsibilities are, I don't care what job I signed <laughs> up for. If I don't want to, if I don't want to do this anymore, fuck it. Mm-hmm. If, if it's not working for me, fuck it. I'm just gonna walk away." You read too much into that. I, I think he was, I, was trying was to connect. A, I know it's such a weird story to give, though. 
I get it. You're trying to connect to Neil Young, but like, what a bad example. Interesting. Didn't bother me <laughs> I'm that put much. Put my hood up and walk away if I don't if I don't feel it's like taking saying, responsibility. He was probably. I think he was. I think you look. I think it was a light story, not a heavy story. And I hear what you're saying. There's <laughs> irony in the fact that I'm just walking away from my responsibility. Yeah. Yeah. But more important than that, the response I thought was, "Yeah, I'm a super fan. Sure, full disclosure. I love what he's about and what he does. So am I, by and the it, way. Yeah, not anymore. <laughs> you're off, Michael. You're off it." And I know you are, but what do you think, first of all, of my response? Is it exactly what you were thinking? It's exactly what I said to Mark. Is it? Yeah, it, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, I, I was like, I was like, you don't get, you don't get this guy. You have mm. to listen to the show. He's the good guy. Oh, so you do agree, but you're just saying he checked your biases a little bit. He, he checked my biases. Checked your confirmation and, bias. Yeah, Fine, and, everyone has to do that. Yeah. Now, and, now come back and stop being also, a fucking we, idiot. I mean, <laughs> I know people who are super, super cool. And if you look at their social media, like, they seem one way. But, like, you know, like, you spend time with them. You went to, like, high school, college, whatever. Like, you know when you get them alone in the room, like, they're not quite the nicest guy in the world. Like, they're not quite as, like, you know, like. Sure. The evidence about Joe Rogan, testimonial after testimonial from personal experiences for people who know him closely and distantly, is always consistent. Totally. And they have no financial incentive to say it, but. Nothing but integrity. They do have financials end of the day because he puts them on the show and it's great for their careers. Okay, but people he, say who are just who are as successful with or without him. People from who run the gamut. People who are who've already been on the show. Yes, yeah. they want to be brown nosy, maybe complimentary. Yeah. You could say that as as the worst of intentions, yeah. but consistently, you don't get a kind of reputation like that if you're what you're saying. You're not who you but, seem. But I don't. Think you just don't get. I don't that. think it's mutually exclusive for him. I mean, I, I said this at the very beginning of like COVID, where I was like, it, it seems like there's an unserved audience, and he is serving it. Well, I'm like, get- I, I don't. I don't think that makes you a bad guy. Of course not. But what you're saying is there could be this other side that we don't know. But I'm just saying that the evidence points from people all over the spectrum and all over the map of fame and power and from everybody. They've yeah. all said very consistently. You know, you know he, he, he is a very good guy and yeah. he does have the best intentions. Right. It's, it, it's, I don't think it makes you a bad guy to be like, there's a lot of people who want to hear these interviews and no one's giving it to them. So I'm going to do it. And like, if, and, are you and, saying and, then you don't trust him at his word when he says, I'm interested in these people? I, 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 I think he is interested in those people, but I think he also knows, I think he knows what he's doing. I, think, I, I just think he knows what he's doing. I don't think he's just having on Malone because he wants to talk to Malone. I think he knows this is going to be a big fucking deal you and it's going to make us a lot of ad dollars. Yeah but, you, yeah, but you can follow the paper trail. Not paper trail is a bad word. You can follow the curiosity trail of Joe yeah. Rogan, money aside, all the way from how COVID narrative has been, perpetra- has been structured and you know perpetrated yeah. onto people. It started with Brett Weinstein, who knew Joe Rogan from other issues that are nothing pre-COVID. Yeah. So he has a credibility with Joe Rogan. Brett Weinstein. I think it started with him. He has social and intellectual credibility with Joe Rogan that predates COVID. Yeah. So he trusts him. And when he brings up concerns about what's going on, that leads Joe Rogan to say, okay, let me put him on with his guests. Yeah, yeah. And you can just follow the in- integrity trail over how this all happened. I- it wasn't like... Hmm. The mainstream media has this narrative about COVID. I could really make a lot of ad dollars from having it, someone with a it, counter it, narrative. It, 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 <laughs> it, it doesn't. It doesn't need to be that extreme. I, I also think. I also think if he were listening right now, he'd say, "Yeah, you should be critical of me. I've got a hundred million dollars from Spotify. If you're not critical of me, you're the idiot." 
Like, yes. sit there, talk about it, but, figure it out. But be critical. But I don't, I just haven't heard too much. I've heard a lot of, like, caricaturing, calling him a transphobe and a yeah. racist, all this ridiculous criticism. Right. Uh, I, I want to hear crit critiques of Malone's arguments, uh, not of Malone as a crackpot. Tell me what he said that's objectionable. Yeah. Tell me what Joe Rogan's wrong. Ro Rogan's no, open to being wrong. But, My point is you can follow where, how he got to Malone and McCullough. You can follow it. Yeah. If you follow his yeah. guests and his curiosity, it's all there on display in three to four hour segments. All like If you just do it and do the work before making these, coming to these conclusions, you'll find that, okay, yeah. I, there's really nothing I can say other than, you know, what it is here in front of me, honest conversations with interesting people. The evidence points to that more than anything else. Yeah, I mean, but you you could say the other way, and that's the way he went, and so that's that's just you could another perspective you'd be wrong. Here I think, on, given if you're if you're a data driven person, you want to think rationally and critically. If you yeah. follow the evidence, it's all on display for you in the show's content. And if yeah. you follow the show's content, I I that's why I'm confused by a lot of yeah. it on the Neil Young thing. Please. This is dominating the conversation. Uh, do we have time for your Jordan Peterson recap afterwards? Absolutely. Okay. I think we get, we do this as a nighttime. Should we do the three-hour one? Should this be a three-hour episode? I think this is a nighttime one. Okay. And I don't have time, but let's do it. <laughs> it's a nighttime episode, so I'm really feeling it right now. This is good. No pressure to get home and uh, yeah. deal with responsibility. It's like this is this is late night with Buckle Up. Mm. <laughs> late night. Buckle so Up podcast. We're like satin robes. <laughs> we should start doing that kind of stuff. Podcasting stuff. Cigars. Yeah. Anyway, Michael. Um, um, what I find, did you see Adam Carolla's take on this? He basically said what I had been thinking the past few days. Yeah, I saw it. He's like, you know, what's, what's, what's Neil Young, I don't really have Adam Carolla down the way I want to have him down. But he's like, you know, it's interesting, you know, because I always thought Neil Young's slower, a rocker who's talking out against the man. But the man isn't Joe Rogan. Right. The man is Anthony Fauci. The man is CNN. The man is MSNBC. And yet he thinks he's speaking out against the man, and that's Joe Rogan, you know. Basically... Do you want to give a quick recap if someone's not familiar with the cult controversy? If you're not familiar, you can just sit the hell up. <laughs> um, sure. So, Joe, yeah, the, the, the recent headlines are that Neil Young demanded that Spotify take his music down be, as long as they keep Joe Rogan on Spotify. It's either me or Joe Rogan. Because of misinformation. mis-slash-disinformation, which is such an obvious propaganda term that he seems to have bought into. And the irony to me, so he demanded Joe Rogan's music, and a lot of artists, even from the hippie era, have followed suit. Joni Joni Mitchell. Joni Mitchell. Yeah. Yes, Joni Mitchell. Michael, come on. Not Jody. Jody. No, Mitchell. Joni Mitchell. India Ari announced today. Some really. Yeah, some uh, people were announcing. Now I have, and speaking of uh, you know suspecting people's intentions here, I actually think this a lot of this comes from gripes with Spotify and musicians and that relationship. So they're using this as a way in to say, yeah, I fucking hate Spotify too, and now it's all kind of just the dam is breaking. Mm -hmm. But let's just talk the political or the current controversy involving Rogan. I find it so incredibly bizarre and ironic that artists, musicians, especially ones from eras where it was all about fighting the establishment. And supporting free speech and free, and supporting <laughs> free speech and expression, would side with mainstream institutional narratives, big pharma, big tech, big government. Side with all of them against a, I would say, fellow artist, comedian, podcaster in the realm of the arts, and suppress. And I don't mean from a governmental 
censorship level, but a social type of censorship, demand he has to be shut down. It would be, it's, to me, it's the equivalent of saying, I don't want that band on. I want to be on, but you can't have that band on. It's so bizarre to me that artists would take this position. It makes zero sense. Do you want to, you want to hear the, the conspiracy about it? They're not... They're not, yeah, Neil Young's got an album coming out. They're not siding with <laughs> with the corporations. It's the corporations siding with the corporations. Neil Young doesn't own his music catalog anymore. Um, a private equity group does, um, which I believe is owned by Blackstone, and Blackstone has a big stake in Pfizer. So <laughs> when, when, I thought you were blue pill, bitch. Uh, so and now so, you're back. <laughs> so when Neil Young says I have a problem with this, as Andrew Sulch says, it's not necessarily guys in a room scheming it. But when Neil Young says I want to take my catalog off of Spotify and and kind of and or, or and shut this guy up, who's like the most prominent, not he's not even anti-vax, but the most prominent critical thinker of of, of vaccinations, the people who own his music are like, all right, that works. Take take it off Spotify, like. Who cares? Put it on Amazon, and and like and we. By the way, Amazon is like is like the saint. Like we should be supporting. So you Amazon. think this all is just Neil Young is the pawn, and there's a corporate interest involved? It because I heard a much more plausible explanation. I, I, My I, bandmate, I, who's a huge Neil Young fan, yeah. said as a response when he said that, "Yeah, Neil Young's crazy, and he's always been unpredictable. I wouldn't be surprised if he's on Joe Rogan in three weeks. He's been alone really in funny. a house in the mountains. <laughs> he hates human beings. He hates life. He hates yeah. everybody. He's got an album coming out, so he does. Even though he's not doing this intentionally, he may have a gut instinct to want to say something publicly. Yeah. And he's like, you know, comes from a time where he's liberal and believes that, and he maybe genuinely believes that anyone standing in the way of getting out of this pandemic yeah. and slowing it down for the recovery of it, if he thinks everyone should just get vaccinated and this anti-science sense, he buys into that. It's just like, whatever. But maybe in two weeks, I'll be like, you know what? Yeah, fuck the vaccine. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, that kind of makes sense. That too. makes sense. It, it's, it's just interesting to think Dylan about. is the same way. Yeah. Like people say, you know, I love your stance on the war. Fuck that. I love war. Like he'll, he's just yeah. in that way, says whatever he feels in the moment. Yeah. It's interesting to think about how these artists, Bob Dylan also doesn't own his music anymore. He just sold it for $300 million, his mm. whole music catalog. Mm. It's just interesting to think about how Neil Young taking his music down isn't as simple as like you hitting delete on Spotify for distant cousins. It's like well, for there's some a people, lot of for some machinations in, but but not for Neil Young. Okay. Like there's a lot of corporate machinations mm -hmm. in his removal of his music. Machinations, with, with machinations, which which makes which makes you think like who 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 is benefiting here necessarily? Sure. But let's just take it all at face value that Neil Young genuinely wants says what he believes because he's in a position that he can do that and is saying this is what I want for this reason. What's your take on that? Isn't that so bizarre? Yeah, no, it is. I think I think it's um doesn't it seem so backwards? How do you yeah, how, yeah, how yeah. are someone no, not, every, not realizing said, I, disinformation, disinformation, misinformation. That these clearly are such well, propagandist well, well, terms. My, my the the drink I had with my friend made me understand it more where if you're if you don't listen to him and 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 you you do have truly gotten the idea that he is this like misogynist racist guy with bad intentions who's like you know exploiting his platform to 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 just to just give crazy people what they want to hear like and and you're alone in a house for six, for a year by yourself like I, I could see sure I, I could see how that happens I was a, I was but actually pretty like sympathetic not agreeing with him no, but, but understanding oh, like, I can see like you how you get way. there yeah but here's the thing. The advantage that a lot of Joe Rogan fans have is they know what's on CNN and they know what's on Joe Rogan. But the people on CNN only know what's on CNN. They don't know what's on Joe Rogan. They're only responding to a caricature. Yeah. I doubt 
Brian Stelter is watching hours of episodes of Rogan. He's like, so clearly we have this river. Fucking baked potato. Um, (laughs) They don't know. They're just, they're like creating a caricature. And they're calling him a racist. Calling Joe Rogan a racist is insane. Saying they lose the credibility instantly. The argument is over. There is no argument because you're not engaging with anything real. You're creating a caricature and criticizing that. That that doesn't exist. Yeah. What exists are hours and hours and hours of conversations with interesting people yeah. of all stripes. I've seen everyone on the political spectrum yeah. on Joe Rogan. And Joe Rogan almost rarely will debate. He almost never. What's so, I think, unique about Joe Rogan yeah. is that he's very careful when somebody's giving an opinion to listen to it mm. and not... Wait for it's like, oh, yeah, but but, not, but this isn't true, like, yeah. because I heard this and now I'm bought into that. He's like, oh, that. So, but what about, he'll, he'll say from a curious, so, but what about the argument of that? Like, what do you say to that? He's, he's, oh, his, I think his natural instinct, what makes him so gifted at this conversationally is that he seems to be very curious and open to a different set of ideas. Yeah. What's good, what would, I would like to see is two people debating on his show. Yeah. And he's had that too, the vegan guy versus the meat right. guy. He's had stuff like that he too, should, and he just kind yeah. of referees. Right, and it's amazing to watch, and that's why people like it. And and, yeah. and mainstream media can't handle for, it. People thinking for themselves, right. they can't handle it. For, I mean, Schultz had two really good points where he's like, "You're who not- is Schultz? Andrew. Oh, Andrew, Andrew Schultz. Schultz. Yeah, yeah, I'm flagrant. I'm flagrant. Yeah. Well, you're saying I know Schultz. I thought yeah. you were talking about a different Schultz. He was, he was saying like, does CNN think people? Let's say they shut Joe Rogan down. Do they think they're gonna go from Joe Rogan to CNN? <laughs> Like that's not happening, and and also he, he was he was like he was like you don't understand how much people want to watch CNN. He's like you know how e- people want it in the easiest way they can. They want news the easiest way they can. They want to turn their TV on, turn on CNN, and get good news. Mm. But you can't do it, so you have to listen to a three hour podcast with a doctor you so never heard what, of before. That's what Schultz said. <laughs> yeah. you said that. I thought it was your idea, but no. you ripped it. What? You're like I don't want to listen to three hours of a podcast. I want to listen. Oh to no, no no no! I that was. That was original. I heard him say that today. Oh, um, so maybe I'm maybe I'm as good as Schultz. <laughs> I'm as good as his Schultz, co-host yo, for yo, sure. They don't want to listen to CNN. They don't want to listen to. They don't want to listen to Rogan. They want to be on CNN and get some news. You know what I'm saying? They want to get news. It's like yeah, he has a great crime. <laughs> it's like Andrew Schultz. I'm just like so. Factually, CNN is off the charts incorrect, and they're crazy. It's like they don't want to listen to you. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's him with Charlemagne the God? I love Charlemagne. Charlemagne's interesting too, man. He's got he's got a funny voice too. Uh, brilliant idiots to talk like this. <laughs> I love that shit, man. Tell me about finger penis. You know what finger penis is? I gotta get out. I've been listening to Charlemagne's uh, Breakfast Club live on the radio when I drive to a daycare in the morning. It's like the best and part why do you of my love day. <laughs> Angela Yee has the most amazing voice in the world. She gives advice to these people. She's like the one who talks like this on the show. Yeah, and she's yeah, like, yo, she's, Angela, Angela, yeah. tell, tell, tell me what you want to hear, Angela. What would you say if, if that was happened to a friend? I can't do it, but so, she's so... So, you know, so... I met a guy, he had finger penis. Tell me, <laughs> Angela, Angela, tell me about finger penis. You ever have finger penis? Finger penis is a real thing, Charlemagne. Mm. I want What's sh- the other guy, DJ Envy? DJ Envy, yeah. I want Charlemagne <laughs> to be Jewish and, and like <laughs> rep Jews as hard as he reps his, his own community. Which he, is... Which is the, the black community. Oh. <laughs> I caught you there, Michael. Trying you know, not to say it. Rudy Israel is the Charlemagne for the Jews. <laughs> sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. Shout he, out, Rudy. Did you see his video to Whoopi today? No. Whoopi Goldberg. <laughs> you know, that's a fake name. She chose that name. That's very funny. Why, yeah. why is no one saying that? I did yeah. see a funny tweet from Elon Gold, Whoopsie Goldberg. He That's just funny. And I was like, I, before I knew what had happened, I see a tweet and it's, whoop, maybe he was sharing a tweet or his tweet, but it said Whoopsie Goldberg. 
and I said something happened. You know when you know you know before you know a story's broke, but you see a few like patterns of tweets, and you're like, something's going on, and I don't know what it is, but I got to fit. And then it's an like obvious my, joke that and everyone says to me, of. she's like, yeah, Whoopi Goldberg, you see what she said. Uh, I kind of have, I, I usually don't have Rachmanis in these situations. Mercy, that's the Hebrew word for mercy. But I, I saw it and I'm, she's so dead wrong and so ignorant yeah. in what she's saying. But it's not like cancelable. It's educational. It's like, what are you talking it, well, about? Well, yeah, so I saw Kim Iverson on the Hill had, had a good point where, she, where she's like, a lot of people agree with Whoopi Goldberg. And now that conversation can't be had and all those people who who need to re- be re-educated won't ever be re-educated because she just got suspended. So we're not going to have right. that conversation. And also, I, I sort of get why it ended up this way. Her conclusion when you have this campaign over the last few years that racism can only be about white people against black people and it cannot exist in any other manifestation – that's the narrative that's been peddled for such a long time. That is that is a black and white issue. People of color and white people. And white people are all one thing in one category. Racism otherwise has no other context, has no other manifestation, has no other history. This is going to happen. People are you know, going to misspeak like this. I don't like the term misspoke. You know, it's like this soft apology term. Yeah. But there was a... I was watching clips and find, trying to figure out what's happening. You're watching this, and it's just it's pure ignorance in its purest yeah. form. The way she's talking, and and you wonder, you think it's willful ignorance? I don't think it's it's it, no, it that was man's the, inhumanity to man. The most hateful, and you know the most. <laughs> that, I've always that, you know, it's like Sam. She has a way, and I said no because this is a book about mouse, and she has this way. Okay. I'm talking. <laughs> this is not about I race. Not it's not. Just, just it's listen. not about race. This is about man's inhumanity to man. It's good with my eyes closed. <laughs> with your eyes closed. Yeah, let me sweet, whisper sweet nothings in your ear as Whoopi Goldberg. Um, about man's... In, but if you view all people with... Uh, you know, it's just... Yeah. There is nothing more definitively racist than Nazi ideology and yeah. their determination to kill all yeah. the Jews based on the fact that they were Jews by blood. You can't define racism more crystal clearly than that. And yet she saw that as white against white people. It's yeah. just such it's such a contemporary understanding or yeah. narrative being superimposed on the past combined with ignorance to it. It's ignorance, but I think there's something willful. And of course no one on the view could 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 talk back. It was ridiculous. I think there's something hateful about it. The most hateful, oh, hateful the most think? hateful anti-Semitic anti-Semitic experience I've ever had in my entire life has been with black Israelites in in on New York City streets or the mm-hmm. subway. Yeah. Like th- there if if you ever if you ever walk up to to one of these guys and yes. talk to them, um I mean like I I don't want to conflate Rastafarianism with mm-hmm. like black Israelite. I know they're two different things, yeah. but like but like if you ever get into conversations with 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 at least like a black Israelite, yes. so there's hateful anti-Semitism. And 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 like I feel like what what yeah, she, and Louis Farrakhan style yeah stuff what too. She, what she was saying I'm not draws, draws from that I'm anti termite <laughs> yeah I I think it, it, I don't know I, I don't know if that specific idea ever ever make that claim but that yeah know, it it, it, draw, it draws from that, from that world sure. and there's a lot of people there's a lot of people who think that way. And um and I don't know when she was on Colbert like she she didn't want oh, to Oh so I want to talk about Colbert because yeah. the, the the saddest thing to me I actually I didn't see what she was saying on the Holocaust specifically in this context if I'm just examining this conversation it seemed more from a place of 
the ignorance of Nazi literature and ideology and how explicit. And also she was like, you couldn't tell Jew from Nazi. Nazis had, had posters of what Jewish noses it's, looked like. It's, it's, I think it's the tip of the iceberg. But you think it stems from much, that campaign, the more... narratives about Jews in the... Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I, th- I, I think I think it's it's a it's a symptom of a way she thinks, and clearly people like that she surrounds herself. There are thinks. certainly cultural elements and religious elements in that affect that affect the. I, I don't know if she comes from if she, how much she's influenced by Nation of Islam ideas or Black Israel ideas. I just don't know. I really have no idea. I think and you're making know, that assumption, but I have no idea. I, I don't know where else it comes from. I don't, what? Else, I don't know where else it comes from. I think it comes from more from the modern understanding of racism as purely a black and white issue, and therefore any other historical examples of it aren't that. There's something else. They're bad, they're deplorable, I, but they're not racism as she understood it. That's what she was trying to explain yeah. on Colbert. The saddest part of the Colbert thing, and I was like, oh, this is just really sad, was that at the very end, she gives this tiny little clue to the camera that everything she just said she didn't mean, and she... And I think it almost can reinforce anti-Semitism. What'd it do? What'd you you do? So she goes at the very end. Now, I don't want to give a fake apology. And I know I hurt a lot of people. And what I said was I should have said both, right? And that is why I, I received it. I heard you. And I'll never bring it up again. Exactly. And I went, oh, yeah, this is a fail. This is a total fail. Because do you really think you solved... Any, if you suspected ill will she might have had towards Jews, which I don't think she does, I personally, it's just, a, it's just yeah. maybe it's my gut, my, my understanding of how she was communicating. I don't think she does, but she certainly has some ill will now. Well, yeah, well what she was saying, <laughs> based on being being cornered, and I'm not, I'm not sympathizing with it, but I'm saying tactically, you now just, exp- we, we just. We had a knee-jerk reaction. Yeah. We cornered her into in canceled and shut down when we also are said we're so against culture, cancel culture in other contexts. And yet now we pigeonholed her and forced her to this to make this statement. Is it genuine? She's like, I'll never bring it up again. Is that what we want? Let's never bring this up again. Or should we get to a place where we're I'm not saying there shouldn't have, of course there should be a response, but you know, oh, well, I'll well, never bring it up again. She looks right into the camera and she gives you this hint of. Okay. What I took from that was mm. was a hint at. I mean, I, I might sound crazy now. What what I heard from that is like you don't fuck with the Jews because they control the media and they're gonna and they're gonna make you lose your job. Like you don't bring soundbite. You don't, you don't bring. Th- I'm, giving, I'm soundbiting you. <laughs> you on don't that. bring things like that up on on a public sphere. It's if, just if you want to keep your job. I, I, and I was like, I was, I was like, yeah, that that's that's the thing that that needs to be I, reeducated. I like, just think as a people. And as a community and as a society, no, as a community, the a Jew, broader Jewish community, aren't we mature enough and have stable enough egos to hear a wrong idea and not be so reactionary? Specifically with her, though, she's been a big proponent of cancel culture. I think that's why people jump down her throat. Yeah, sure. And that's what Tim Dillon said in his tweet. Well, isn't her. it funny when what, they've been for deplatforming everybody, then it comes from one of their own and they're outraged. Right, 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 right. Now – uh, that all aside, maybe people are using this as an opportunity. Ha, gotcha, whatever. My point is, I'm concerned as a Jew with the Jewish reaction to it, and the and the, I hear you. and the whole Missed opportunity. You know, we we shouldn't be scared of the wrong idea. We should jump to the oppor- We should rise to the occasion to educate yeah. and explain what it is. And I get why it's upsetting, but what do you really want to do? Do you want Whoopi Goldberg to? Have to shed light and have a new perspective. I don't think to have a new perspective on it and be enlightened. I don't think you do that with intimidation. Yeah. 
Um, and, and it's so funny because like I uh, think Nick Cannon had had an example when he he stepped into this, the, the, but that was better better handled. That somebody went on and had a conversation with him. Barry Weiss gave yeah. had the book that he read on anti-Semitism, and he really I felt when he came out with his apology, and this is all in the public sphere, so it's all kind of bullshit anyway. But he came out and said, I actually really learned a lot. I had no idea about yeah. any of this. There's an NFL player who had something similar to the, yeah, and those the, are the things that were certainly house. influenced yeah. by the things you were talking about. Yeah, Lupe in, Fiasco, you know, I think. Had something. Yeah, and people are certainly influenced by that yeah, for yeah. sure about those negative stereotypes about Jews and that has permeated and so you combat that with more speech with better ideas with better yeah. understandings and you have to make these statements and you have to make these yeah. moral statements clear but when she looked at the camera at Colbert and said yeah, and that, that is scary. why I'll never bring it up again it was chilling it was yeah. pretty chilling when yeah. she said that yeah I, I was like yeah I was that was yeah I was like I'm like, like, well, then nothing we did just worked. If anything, we made her more bitter and more resentful. Oh, see, I, I don't take it, I don't take it on on myself, and in, in that way. Why was it chilling to you? It was chilling because, cause, cause these, the she's someone who, who who believes in what she said, and and now it's going back underground, which mm. which was like to me, she's like, yeah, there, exactly. There's, there's I'm an, saying there's that an too. underground of a lot of people who think this way. But you're not going to hear about I'm it. I'm saying anymore. that too. I'm saying we have we failed in. But don't. But don't. I mean, that's don't. I feel like that's like uh, victimizing yourself. Like it's it's no, it's not. It's, it's taking it's the opposite it's, of victimizing yourself. But but like no, let, but let you're it taking be her fault. Let it be her fault. Let it be her fault. Yeah, but she was shut down and canceled and told to. And now you're in trouble and you've said the wrong thing. Go away. And that's not mature to me. Yeah. That's we can handle I it. I didn't do that. I mean, ABC you didn't did, do ABC that. ABC did that, and I didn't. I, I understand. I'm I'm criticizing yeah, yeah. that that decision, that yeah, tactic, yeah. and the ADL had to come on and make statements. But the way they also did it, they did engage with her and all those things. Yeah. But yeah, no, I, I don't it. take I pride in. Ha ha, yeah, we yeah. got her. It's, it's, if anything, I think this stuff backfires. Yeah, I don't mean say you don't you don't necessarily just let go. With, you you don't let it go. You you call it out. Yeah. But there's a constructive way to do it that I think doesn't have to make her say. Oh, don't talk about anything that will upset the Jews. Yeah. Because that'll get you in trouble. Yeah. Not, not, I learned something and what I said was deeply yeah. wrong and I realized that. And then these public apologies are always fake. Yeah. They have to say it if, you know. Um, and it's always, I just wish someone on the dais, on the panel, yeah. could have just said something. Like Joy then, Behar, what, what, what's, what, what use is Joy Behar if she's not going to speak up at that moment? Exactly. She's basically Jewish. I know she's, she's Catholic. Hilarious. How I can't watch an episode of The View without but, cracking up at Joy Behar. Stop it. Oh my God. Oh, Joy. Oh, I know. Joy yeah. gets me. Joy Trump, gets me. Trump, you're an idiot. You're, you're an orange idiot. Joy is Joy is your, mom your mother-in-law's friend who's annoying. Who's a little funny sometimes. So, yeah, spunky, annoying, yeah, but yeah. also just like, She's a little funny sometimes, but thinks she's funny all the time. Yeah, yeah. Well, if if you knew her in real life, you'd be like, "Oh, you could be a, you could be a comedian," and then she does it, and you're like, nah. <laughs> <laughs> But like, if Barbara Walters was there, she has some class and knowledge. She'd be like, "Whoopie, no, this was absolutely about race." <laughs> yeah, whoopie, whoopie. But whoopee. <laughs> I wish someone on the panel would have been like, at least have pushbacks. So that, I didn't so that see a dialogue. It. Did you watch it? Yeah. I didn't watch it. No. Oh, I've been watching The View every single day for the last 10 years. Sarah used to watch it every day, and it would, uh, I mean, it was like just a, a fantastic watch. Yes, of course. It's just wild. Um, <laughs> wait, well, oh, so the, the funny thing is, is like, on one hand, like, the the pro-Israel people are like, oh, the, yeah. are like you, you know, mainstream news and, and The View, and they're all so anti-Israel. And then on the other hand, it's like she says something anti. She's not allowed to say anything. I'm trying to get it right. Like she, if she says one anti-Semitic, are the Jews losing or winning? No, like, no, like the Jews. It's funny how each side now thinks 
that what they have to say is is not allowed to be said. Being suppressed. Not allowed, yeah, exactly. So, like, if you're pro-Israel, you can't say that in public. If you're anti-Israel, you can't say anything anti-Israel in public. If you're pro-vaccine, it's like maybe pro-vaccine is not a good not a good example. But uh, there's so many um, there's so many examples of that. Yeah, I see I've it heard all the once time. from an intellectual I follow who was like, the funny thing about the left and the right is both think they're losing. Yeah. In certain ways. Yeah. The left thinks the country's. Be, you know, and becoming when it was Trump, it's like becoming a third term. We're in the worst place ever. All our freedoms in Bush era, all our freedoms, and the right when Obama's, pre- you know, we're we're, we're losing. You know, yeah. it, it all it, it does go back and forth. Yeah. But I will say that there are differences if you just look beneath the surface. On the surface, it seems like oh, but then you can't criticize it. One say one off color thing about the Jewish people, and you get in such trouble. Yeah, but. Israel is a different scenario, and it's dominated by anti-Israel coverage. It's much more palatable, palatable to say just despicable things about Israel. But 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 um, but if if you listen to Relax. like if you listen to like a Whitney Webb, she'll go on Tim Dillon and she'll be like, "If I say anything anti-Israel, I'll I'll, I'll lose everything I have." It's you, you, like Who's Whitney Webb, or she's like she's just like uh she's just like pro-Palestinian oh. reporter, oh. or like or like a- Andrew Yang. Um, you know, he, Andrew Yang came out in support of. Israel when he's running for mayor, which is silly. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, and then like, and then Crystal Ball is like, oh, of course he came out as pro-Israel because you, you can't say anything bad about Israel. And it's like, well, what is it? Can you, what is it? Because <laughs> uh-huh. like, it, it seems, it seems to all the people, all the Jews I follow on Instagram that, that NBC is filled with anti-Israel. But if you say anything anti-Israel, you can't win for mayor of New York. Like what's, what's the. I guess there's a difference between the overt anti-semitism rhetoric mm-hmm. and the implicit or like beneath the surface kind of coverage you can certainly say you can certainly say israel's attacks israel's assault on gaza that left mil- that left thousands of people injured and they're including right. that's not you can misrepresent israel that's totally not considered funny. anti-israel yeah there's a lot right. of things that just aren't considered that that are i think you could just get away with a lot more schemey misrepresentative coverage of Israel mm-hmm. and get and be totally embraced God. and you know even sense. praise Hamas in certain ways. Right. You can't say overtly anti-Semitic right. things, but a lot of racism is like that today where you you can't just come out and be overtly racist or overtly anti-Semitic because yeah. that we all can kind of agree upon in the modern context doesn't fly. So now it all goes into different So channels. if I'm watching CNN with Crystal Ball mm-hmm. and Rudy Israel Rudy Israel is going to go, oh, my God, this is so anti-Israel. And, and Crystal Ball's watching the same thing. Crystal Ball's go, oh. pretty, what, critical of Israel? She's very critical of Israel. Yeah. She, she's going to go, oh, my God, this is so pro-Israel, watching the same exact segment, uh-huh. probably. I'm not is, sure. Which is wild. Yeah. yeah, I mean, Abby Martin, one of these crazy, pro, totally anti-Israel persons. Abby Martin? Yeah, yeah, she's her and Whitney Webb are the right, same. Right. <laughs> Abby Martin was on Joe Rogan. It was a very funny moment. I'm watching it, and she's trying to find these crazy rallies of radical Jews. Yeah. And she's watching Joe. Now watch this, watch this, watch what they're saying. And Joe Rogan's really being gracious yeah. with her and trying to, and you're watching, and she's like, I think it's further ahead when they say some things. And some people probably said something crazy, you know, like, you know, whatever. And then they said something maybe extreme. But she was like really trying to find it. Meanwhile, you can pull up. You could pull up, yeah. you know, tons of footage of the most anti-Israel rallies and rhetoric all over yeah. the, you know, the Arab world against Israel. But we're not going there. So Jorgen has her yeah. on, and he's trying to find it. And you know, but Barry Weiss is the best example. To people who don't like Barry Weiss, she represents like you can't say anything bad about Israel in the press. To people who love Barry Weiss, it's like the press is full. Uh, you have to fight every day against mm-hmm. against um, 
She, she yeah, she's maybe the best example. Barry Weiss. She's like the of, fulcrum of what? Of like of like of like the people who support Barry Weiss think the media is full of anti-Israel. The people who hate Barry Weiss think the media is way too pro-Israel. Right. Right. Yes. And be like be like because of BDS and everything. Um, speaking of old white Canadian men, <laughs> <laughs> did we even go there? I was in Florida this past week, and I had a very special treat. My wife. Should got I check me. the? Let me check the video. Just yeah, check. Sure Are we still going? going? I mean, it's charging, right? Yeah, we're still going. Okay, good. Michael, get back here. My wife. My flight got delayed, so I got an extra day in Florida after a, a wonderful, glorious vacation in the free state of Florida. Mm-hmm. Which it really is. Even Bill Maher went off and said, "It's just a different vibe down there, okay, people? It's just different. You go there. It's not the gloom and doom of L.A. where everyone's masked up and worried about COVID. You go there and it feels normal, okay? I can't really do Bill Maher, but and some guys like, well, yeah, because maybe and and he's like, and you know what? Their death rate was pretty comparable to Mars, if not if not better. They did better. And he's like, well, they weren't a hub of international travel like New York City was, where many more people were coming. He's like, all the old people there, I'm just saying, I'm just saying. That's what I do. <laughs> what do you mean? With like Bill? when you bring up a big, a good point. I'm just, I'm just saying. No, but he's saying, I'm saying that they went back to normal and they did just as well, if not better. And they went on and lived their lives and they had all the old people. Maybe we could learn a thing or two. So, you know, he's yeah. getting fed up with this whole nonsense. The point is, Florida's awesome. Mm-hmm. Florida. Florida's on the, the bottom. It's the bottom, of the country. yes. The, right. dick, the dick of the U.S. Right. The dick with no balls. Castrated in, I think, 1872. <laughs> <laughs> so I had an extra day, and Jordan Peterson was doing a live show in Miami at the Jackie Gleason Theater. <laughs> the film or Jackie Gleason Theater. Is it a very large Now theater? we can watch Jackie Gleason while we eat. Um <laughs> It's a line from Back to the Future. I think it was Jackie Gleason. But right in the kisser. <laughs> Boom, right in the kisser. Is Jackie Gleason, is that what he is? I think he was the honeymooners guy. Oh. Boom, right in the which is family yeah, guy. Yeah, yeah. Boom, right in the kisser. <laughs> well, we're really summing up things yeah. nicely. I have to tell you. I imagine what a Jordan Peterson show would be like, and I kind of expected all of it. It was still incredible. Okay. How big was this place? Okay. 3,000 people. What, 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 give me an idea what that is. I don't know. What is that like the beacon? beacon the beacon? The okay. beacon, something like that. A theater. Okay. Not a stadium, but a theater. Big, big theater, two floors. Yeah. The, yeah. And, and what was so cool about it first is when you arrive, I thought we were late to the show, but it was actually running late and everyone was still outside. So I got to see everybody as I was going to the. So. Demographics. Yeah. The first thing, you can't help but be affected going, hearing all of these things about, remember how I said how when you're watching these people on YouTube and all of these dog and pony show, it's theater. You don't really know who they are. You just don't. The closest thing you can get is a live show where it's unfiltered and you really do see the person. And yes, they're putting on a show, but you really get a sense of in a way that you just can't get uh, when you're watching online media. Mm-hmm. And coverage and all these things. The first thing you notice when you walk by these lines is that, first of all, it's around the block. It's so big. You're just like an intellectual professor, psychology professor from Canada is this rock star filling theaters. It's unbelievable mm-hmm. that people are, are so interested in ideas. That's pretty inspiring to me. It's really cool. I was just like, and I kind of knew, but I knew it. I didn't experience it. Mm-hmm. Now I was really seeing it. 
and I'm walking down and to get to where we're, we're supposed to get on for like the ticket line to get in and check in. And we just keep walking and keep turning and keep walking. And the demographics of this crowd, Jordan Peterson, the champion of white disenfranchised men. This I've been to Dave Matthews shows that are all white. It's all white. You know, it's it's one one demographic, right? This is every race, creed and color, every age, every gender, men and women, <laughs> every <laughs> everybody is every gender. It's all over the map. College age, you know, young dating in their 20s, 60 year olds, people really? from different countries, black, white, Hispanic, Asian, everybody. Oh. And was even seeing was it predominantly white? No, I couldn't tell you. Wow. Every two people I was is a different person. That's wild. And there's and if you're at a show, you're a super fan. You're not just like, oh, let me check this guy out. You're a fan. You yeah. know this stuff. And you're just walking by and you can't help but be moved by that. Is it by the way? Is it possible is it possible they are all crisis actors? What? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um they're all going to see Jordan and some of them you can overhear ideas. Oh no, I actually really like they're talking about some of his ideas. They're talking about ideas. And I'm just telling you, as I tell the story, I'm going to be slipping into so much Peterson. I can see your eyes are glazing over. You're like, you're getting very emotional. You can't help but be moved by that. It's like, I don't know what to make of it. It's too much in a good way. I'm going to be slipping into it because my impression was just like I was getting all of this gold because watching oh, it. Yeah. And I was just like, How close oh. were you? Because sometimes when you do impressions of people for too long, you caricature yourself. You start doing an impression of your impression, mm-hmm. which isn't the person you fe- you forget the source. And so watching him move on stage, it's like that's something, you know? And you, you begin to realize that you have to take your time with it. Well, you do. <laughs> so that's the first thing. I'm watching this crowd, and I'm like, "This is unbelievable." And my wife and I are stunned. Just she, like she keeps asking me, "Who is this guy?" I'm like, "He's a Rebbe for the masses." That's how I can explain it to you. A Rebbe for the masses. Rebbe being from Hasidish, rabbi, like a, a rabbi, a thought leader for the masses, cult leader. Okay, okay. You know what, Michael? You know what? I really, you, you really. <laughs> so I'm struck by the crowd. Yeah. So this is just my. This is all an experience for me, and then. Um, wait, can I ask wait, how how close? Where were your seats? Were you close? Yeah, it was good. It wasn't front row, but it was like orchestra, like couple close several seats. You rows really back. had a good look it, at him. He did look like I wasn't like a speck in the back, yeah. but he was enough to kind of see. There wasn't any monitors or anything. Okay. Then I tweet, and then I Instagrammed a little photo. This line for Jordan Peterson is insane, and his daughter shared it, which was cool. Michaela shared it on her thing. That was a nice little little oh. moment there. But she usually hosts this tour. She's the host MC, but this time we had Dave Rubin, okay. who I. I'm a big fan of, even though I think he's kind of drifted a little bit in terms of hit. Yeah, in terms our of friend, I had listen, listen. I'm, I am always. I'll be forever grateful to Dave Rubin because he brought so many of these people into my life through his show as the conduit. But we could talk. It's a whole other conversation okay. on Dave Rubin. But anyway, he was hosting, and they they go back. They did a tour in 2018, and he was the MC. He sat down. He came out, and made a few jokes, some low hanging fruit stuff because the audience is super. He's like, he said something funny. He was like. You know, because they required vaccines to get into the venue, and you had to show like your proof of vaccination. He's like, I, and he was like, "I'm just look at look at all you three thousand people, all of you so dedicated uh, that you forged your vaccine mm-hmm. passports to be here." Mm-hmm. And everyone starts cracking up. And he just moved to Miami from California, yeah. so he talked about getting away from. So I'm anyway. He did the intro, brought Jordan Peterson out, and Jordan Peterson proceeds with his talk for an hour and a half. No notes in front of him. Is he sitting or at a lectern? Standing, standing, walking. Cool. About like a TED stage. Talk. 
like a TED talk. And I have to tell you, it's like, there's a moment when I've watched enough Peterson where something is so true and resonant, it hurts a little bit. Like when you hear a melody that you're like, oh my God, that, that sounds so... The, the subject of the show was the meaning of meaning. Okay? So the idea was, why are things meaningful? And it was really a response to nihilism and the idea that he was trying to make the case against why the, the nihilistic approach to life, which is it's, it's all worthless in a thousand years. Who cares? Why do anything? Why are things meaningful? And that was the sort of macro, you know, context of what he was talking about. But he really weaved together, he held the audience's attention for an hour and a half silently, and he weaved together so many different things and ideas that are very complex, and yet you could follow the thread all the way through. And it didn't arrive at a particular point per se, only that, you know, I, it's very hard to explain because a lot of it's very abstract, but he talked about basically, you know, the the intellectual case for spirituality, which to me, as a sort of cut and dry, more rationalist leaning person, I, I, I was like, it made me rethink and reevaluate, you know, all that fluff of spiritual talk and sort of being skeptical of how, but how do you know such things? So he wasn't saying he knows anything with certainty, but there are certain ideas that we just take for granted and we make assumptions about things. And, you know, like, you know, the idea of wishing on a star, a North star, like, what is that about? In, in the story of Pinocchio, we said, oh, you wish upon a star. Okay. We wish upon a star. Why is that a big deal? It's like the center of light in the sky that orients us, you know, center of light that orients it's us. Like, through, it's like through a center of truth that we arc our reality around and wish for a higher sense of idealistic, you know, striving towards a better something. There's this idea of constantly looking up and, and, and it goes back thousands of years. We all sit around a fire in a circle and he was just explaining and elaborating a lot of weaving in mythology and story. Mm. We, ha we are part of this grand narrative. And when we're not, we are lost. We're resentful and hateful and bitter and prone to suffering and malevolence and ty tyranny and authoritarianism. And you bloody well better get on it, man. You know, and you're just like, it all is making a lot of sense. And, it, you know, and then he said some things about children and the whole audience. He was like, and, you know, and then you get this, reoccurring theme of the overbearing parent where you protect your kids so much they don't build any resilience to the world and then you're the danger to them. And the audience goes, wow. You hear like a, oh. And you, you, you try to protect your kids so much that you become the danger. It's like, no. <laughs> just for everyone watching at home, I just want you to know, Ami is tearing up if you can't see his eyes. Am I? You are, yeah. You're, you're, you're well, getting very emotional about this. It's late though, I'm exhausted. Uh, I don't want to take that away. This from was you. very meaningful to you. Yeah, no, it's yeah. just it's just, what's crazy is it's, that it's, I've never seen you so affected. Well, it's like you know you do the impression for so long, it makes you <laughs> able to access certain emotional qualities that you thought were buried deep beneath the surface in the belly of the beast. No, you know? it's not about the impression; it's about the ideas. I know, I know. I, I don't think I'm, I don't feel what you're saying. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm not feeling choked up. You're just gassy. <laughs> I think I'm just gassy. Uh -huh. My point is though, it's so like I walked away from that. You know, what Jordan Peterson has done, and the reason everybody's in there, is that he's given 
intellectual credibility to us, the sense of spirit people have. For so long, intelligentsia was just dominated by secularists. Hitchens and Dawkins and Harris and these people who spoke about ideas and these yeah. kinds of things, but always a godless in a godless way. He, and he is infusing credibility to the notion that yeah. we exist in a universe we don't understand. And there is so much depth and lessons to be learned from our narratives and stories yeah. and wisdom to, to be derived from that from the biblical stories, they're not just to be discounted as fairy tales yeah. and made mockeries of by our modern day intelligentsia. And you're not stupid to, to be compelled by them. There is a lot there of ancient wisdom. He spoke about music. And that was big I listen me. to music. <laughs> oh, yeah. He's like, what? why is music meaningful? It's instant. I was always fascinated with me. Who isn't fascinated with music? It's instantaneously meaningful. Well, music is about patterns. Okay, let's put that over here. And what are you doing, especially if there's a strong beat within the music and you start to move and you can't help but move? What's going on? Like precisely what's going on? You're aligning yourself with the patterns of the universe expressing itself in a musical context. It, basically, that there are patterns everywhere around us. And it sounds like the way I'm describing it can sound so fluffy and people accuse it of word salad, but you're just like, no, 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 it, it makes a lot of sense. In the way he was talking about it. Yeah. I can't do it justice, no. even as, I, as an impersonator. I can't. I, but I, he described it, and you're like, you know, it's not like I was swayed. I was just, it was very, very, it just hit real hard. I was like, wow, I've been making music for 15 years, and I've forgotten why I make music. The reason why something sounds good. Why does it work? Why are, does it spark up my ears? Why does something make me feel sad or happy or move me in certain ways? And he articulated why in a way that was, like, you know, understandable, which is so amazing to me, that ability in describing it in terms of patterns. And I, sound, I don't even know if I sound like I don't know what I'm talking about because it sounds so out there. But that when you're dancing to music, you are aligning yourself with the patterns of the universe. And, that, and I'm saying this, that I've described it in a movie once. There was a movie about Beethoven. It was like, music is the language of God. And I like that line. It's just true. Like you forget when you do it for so long that you just take for granted. Oh, I just do this and this and this. And everyone goes, oh, that's nice. Why? What do you mean? Nobody can explain that rationally is, the, is really what the point he's yeah. making. There is this connection between heaven and earth, the Jacob's ladder, the symbolism throughout history, these shamanic experiences that people meditate on. And across all the subjects in this experimentation of different shamans, they've had identical experiences with psychedelics. No one can explain that. No one. It's like, okay. <laughs> but we can't explain that. And yet there's this consistency, this thread that we, and it got me thinking by the end, and I'm going to wrap up on this, that arguments for God, theistic interpretations of the universe, atheistic interpretations, we can't escape in us the divine. And that's episode 16. Now, so what are, you, what are your thoughts? I mean, I could wrap up right on that. But you can't escape that. He's basically trying to explain that that is really something. It's not something to just yeah. trivialize. No, I, and I, I was like, yeah, that's something to think about. And he sort of wrapped up on that. That's something to think about. There is this, beneath this surface, this grand narrative, a substructure, a thing. And I'm talking about it seriously, but because I always like to make fun of it and do the impersonations and all that. But what he was saying and seeing it live and seeing him articulate this, which 
I don't think any, I haven't seen a person able to do that. This ability to take all these abstract ideas and concepts, seamlessly put them together into this presentation yeah. that was moving emotionally, spiritually, in all these ways. And that makes you think, if anything, there is something there. That's all he was trying to say. There's yeah. something there. That's the only point he was making. Um, that was an interesting takeaway. I think I think you did a really nice job describing what first, how I. First <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Yes, describing. No, no, I, I think you did a really good job describing what what makes him special, but more but more what his, that whole school of thought um, is doing. Um, I think the, the only the only thing I, I I would just add to that is I, he didn't um, he's a continuation of a long line of thinkers that he borrows from, and maybe he has um, synthesized it all, and he and he's he has this incredible platform, so he's able to popularize it. Um, but if if you, if you like what he said, I could point you to some other people. Who only Peterson? Who, who else? Uh, Joseph Campbell is mm. who, who I thought of. I, I'm sure he brings. I up thought Joseph you were talking Campbell. about like Hasidish spiritual thinkers that I'm always like, eh, whatever. Because um, because afterwards, my wife was saying, you know, this is what they say. This step, is the same thing. It's what all the Rebbe say. Yeah, Rebbe and I'm Nachman. like, yeah, but they don't say it like that. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I mean, I, yeah. So <laughs> I, I I don't want to I don't want to push push anything. But no, I'd be interested no, to what he would say about Tanya. You know, I'll I'll send you <laughs> I'll send you a video. So Joseph, this guy Joseph Campbell. Um, he did this incredible series of interviews with Bill Moyers on like PBS in mm. the like seventies or eighties, and if you like Jordan Peterson, you're gonna love this, and you can sit down mm. and watch them, and yeah, they're awesome. So I think I've heard that. Of course, I've heard the name. Joseph yeah, he Campbell. wrote the Hero's Journey. Mm. He he like popularized the idea of he he might have even like sort of invented it. The hero that every single story has a hero in the middle of it mm -hmm. and every single civilization and culture tells the same story about the same hero doing the same thing because as humans we're all trying to express this thing we know deep in our psyches right and and we do right. that we do that through stories we do that through cave paintings and facebook and the, and the, cans pro the and problem is a lot of that i think gets bundled into entertainment that's just what we do for fun Right. And granted, things can be moving, but that's an escape from reality. And I think what Jordan Peterson's message is doing is saying, no, that's an insight into reality, not an escape from it. Absolutely. The artistic expression, the story we live by and tell ourselves is not a way to just cope, not a way to deal, not a way to escape, but a way to connect. So before this, when you like... For, for me, for me, that's that's obvious. Like when I hear a pop song, for for me, I w I would go right there to be like I don't like whatever for whatever reason this pop song is popular says something about because you're ignorant the human condition is that <laughs> is is that how is that not how you've looked at popular like songs before like a Britney Spears song like Hit Me Baby One More Time. Did, it, you it, have it never, a deep spiritual experience when listening to Hit Me Baby one more time? Not necessarily, but in, in, in the sense that I don't take it for granted that this is a popular thing. Like this is, I mean, for, I mean forget the like the lyrics, but even the lyrics, but like it's, it's speaking to something. Like did, did, that, did that not occur to you before Jordan Peterson? Because I would think as a writer of songs, you would be in touch with when you write something popular, you're hitting a nerve. I in think the, in the listener. to that point, you do it for so long, you just take for granted uh -huh. certain experiences and insights and abilities 
And when you can understand something, it demystifies it. So there's probably more mystery to you when you listen to music than there is for me. Yeah. Because I can dissect and tell you exactly what's going on and why it works. But what I... But, then, why, but why does it, why it work? Correct. So right. then the deeper level that Jordan Peterson was illuminating for me right. once again is... Well, sure, it works, and you know why it works. You know, I mean, I think after this whole thing, you might be coming more to my side than than I'm going to your side. After this podcast, because that's where I argue from what? usually. Of 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 of, I'm not interested in the why of the why. I'm interested in the why of the why. Like, I'm not interested in what Ben Shapiro's saying. I'm interested in why he's saying what he's saying because he's a fucked up dude, and I want to know <laughs> where he got all those just saw him over ideas. The past weekend. <laughs> great guy and he's coming on the pocket no 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 but it, we're all fucked up we all yeah, have these yeah, like yeah. I, I don't think Ben Shapiro's ideas but Joy, so Jordan, Jordan's anyway. idea is the why yeah. of the why the why is the interesting why. and that's what I can't answer necessarily no yeah. one's can but it's there so that's cool and it also well people can people have been talking about it for thousands of years no but they can they're, they're, they've been dwelling on these questions Whoa! well well, I mean no truth can, can ever be directly answered we dance right, around right. it for thousands of years and right. we and, 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 can, and, we... and just experience it and connect to it in, in other words like you can experience truth without understanding what it is and that's kind of partially what art right. is and music you can't articulate you're experiencing the truth of something and to me truth to me for, I guess what I'm saying is truth existed to me in a very rational context yeah. mathematical data driven and he's talking about different kinds of truth experiential truth that i didn't quite understand until i saw this show and he explained it in, in, and elaborated on it in such a way that there's another there they're not competing truths mm -hmm. it's not like two contradictions there's no contradictions but there's a whole other here's the world here that we see and there's a whole undercurrent of yeah. it that we are living with yeah. Beneath us or in us, behind us, you, in front of us, above us, below us, in you know, you, everywhere. You, and 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 in, in the music, I, I understand what's going on, you know, analytically, and yeah. I can recreate it and do all those things when I hear it. So that's very rewarding and fulfilling. Uh, but the why, you, and 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 the impact that it does have when you participate in it, is very important and deep. Mm. And I I know that. But for me, what draws me a lot to music is the fun of it. You know, it's really fun. Yeah. I, I'm not necessarily on stage to try to, you know, make a social difference. I'm, I, don't, I don't have a mission other than to entertain. But you don't have to have a mission to do what he's talking about. No, not at all. The point yeah. is, because I don't, sometimes you risk trivializing it as, yeah, it's just for fun. What he's saying is that just for fun is very, very, is very uh, much more than just for fun. Right. Dancing to a rock song is participating in aligning yourselves with the patterns of the universe kind right. of talk. Right. And, and I said, when I heard that, I said, yeah, yeah, that's interesting. Because you're not asking yourself, why are you dancing yeah. to this? What's happening? Your body is a, is, is a drum beat yeah. constantly. So just adding depth to everything in a legitimate way to me was really cool. Yeah. Because you're just constantly living in this state of, yeah, distraction. Yeah. And he says, no, the distraction is almost holy. Like, you know, when you're imbuing things with holiness, kadosh. He was sec he, from, from a non-Jewish perspective talking about kadusha, holiness. Yeah. I thought that was really cool. You just, nobody, I don't know anyone else who can touch this stuff in that way. You know, I'm excited for you to to go on that journey because I think you'll find. I want to do mushrooms find... next week on the podcast. <laughs> well, it, it's funny you say that. I I honestly I, I think when you smoke pot and you're younger, a lot of these ideas become self-evident. 
and you've never experimented. Oh, but I've had psychotic breaks, dude. They were always self-evident. Not the same. Not the same. A psychotic break is way deeper than any weed, I'm telling you. Um, well, look, you haven't had that, and I haven't smoked weed, so we man, will well, never well, know. I'm just telling you, if, if, if you would have smoked weed at whatever, 16, I think a lot of these... But I was much more spiritual and idealistic at 16 than I am now. But not in this not In this, I, I'm in saying, this way, this was sort of a reawakening. I, I haven't thought about it in years, but I used to see patterns and things and do that and like just lend more credibility to that type of thinking. Yeah. This sort of, I think, reconnects, reconnects, it to, reconnects me to that in a healthier way. Great. You cool. know? Yeah. And when you've been psychotic and the world is upside down, you, you see dark things that maybe aren't real, but, you, but it's all real because you're experiencing it. Yeah, yeah I mean, I, I guess, so, but, but you can't, you don't walk away from a break being like, what can I take from that? <laughs> you're like, Usually like, not. I've been afraid to go there. Sure, this sure, was sort of like, but, but so what was pot, going on? But with pot and psychedelics, you can walk away being like, like, what, what can I draw from that? Sure. Where and people and, and, not and, be and he did say psychedelics for people have been some of the most important experiences of their life, yeah. which I get. But I don't think the average. I think while a lot of people have t- taken and tried psychedelics, not a lot of people have experienced a psychotic break. Yeah. And they could be close. They I'm certainly sure, sound I'm, similar. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. Based on people who've described acid trips to me, I say, yeah, yeah that sounds about right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it could be. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you, a prob- I wonder if you did a cas scan of a brain on an acid trip, it probably looked pretty similar to yeah. a psychotic break. Well, I've described, when I've described As people who took taken acid, that's they said, that's exactly right. Like, that right. Sounds, like, sounds like you took acid. I was like, I didn't take acid. Yeah. But anyway. Well, this is exciting. This is really cool. So I I'm thought that glad. was just... I think you did a good job articulating. I hope so. I felt very thing. scrambled. Yeah, no, no, I, th- I actually think you did a really, really nice job. Um, There's a, I did one more thing just before we wrap that up. Mm. Um, I, going to a fish show is a great example Ugh, of yeah. that. Anyway. A great um, example of what? <laughs> of, oh, no, of, of, of I think when you go, you, you think about it pretty... Um, rationally? More, pretty rationally, and when, when I go, that's my whole thing. I'm just like like submitting to the experience of it and letting it move me but you have the benefit of your ignorance yeah sure yeah it would probably be even dip even deeper if i knew music theory right i think so i'm looking for that i think i just have a high standard because i kind of know when they're being lazy yeah it's like a chef trying a dish and saying "Mm." you're saying well this is freaking delicious it's amazing i'm like it is good, but yeah. you know they they didn't reduce the sauce well enough. I know what it could be, yeah. And I'm not saying that from like a braggadocious. It's just true. Like when you listen, when you have an authority on something, I can listen to fish and say, yeah, they're kind of be. And it's to my detriment too. I don't yeah. as easily whatever. It's the cost of it. Or when you're watching, if you're a film editor and you're watching, you're like, why didn't they? You know, they could have made that so much better. It, that could have hit so much better. I know what fish is going for, yeah. but sometimes it, I'm like, they're winging it and it it's would, not doing it. It would be a cool experiment to next time go and try to think of why. Why does this make me feel good? You know? Right. Yeah. Yeah, and I've no, but so the deeper question is when fish is hitting it, I can tell you why. It's because they're hitting it. And I know, oh, well, they, they hit that. They were in sync in that rhythm and that turnaround. And those changes, with where they went, the dynamics built right. perfectly. The question beneath that is, why does that right. affect me? Why is that me? hitting it? Why is that accomplishing a certain effect on yeah. me? What is it putting me in touch with? Right. That's a question I can't tell. I right. can't answer. Why well, something taste you, good? You can answer it by experiencing it and, and getting out of your head. And that's and, all you can do is and, just be and there. And be it's there. like the most in-the-moment thing you can do, which yeah. is what Jordan Peterson was talking about. Yeah. And that in that's a thousand awesome. years from now, when everybody's dead, that doesn't matter. That thought process doesn't matter. That outlook, the nihilistic outlook, is irrelevant to you holding your child in the moment and comforting them when they're crying or dancing to the music. And the point is, sure, all that's well and good, but it doesn't matter 
when you're getting in touch with the universe. And that was something I was like, and he said, and that's, and that's good enough for today. (laughs) That's how we ended. And that's good enough for today. So what what I want to wrap mm. up on? Oh God, wrapping is, up. Uh, Ooh, this is our longest episode. Is um, I was thinking how funny it would be uh, if um, I don't mean because I was doing this on my own, but it's funnier if you do it. Uh, Joey Diaz mm. speaking Yiddish. <laughs> it's a gavalt, Joe Rogan. It's a fucking gavalt, I don't do the perfect Joey, so it's a little hard. Yeah. Like, getting cocking off and yam off in the fucking yam. What else would he say? A knocker in the cavus. You know what that is? It's a naked woman. Beautiful fucking Joe Rogan. No, Yosef, Yosef, Yosef Rogan, Yosef Rogan. Yosef, 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 Yosef. Oh, it hurts my voice. Anything else? No, that's it. Well, on that note, we went from the political to the profound to the analytical to the funny to the outright. To the profane. To the outright outrageous. This is Buckle Up with Mike Ganami, episode 16. Stay tuned for next week. Thanks so much for listening. We appreciate you coming up on 200 followers. Nothing to write home about, but I'm proud of every single Me one. Me too. They're all real people. Real no people. Bots. Occasional bots. I don't even know. Here and there. Not yeah. really. No no businesses. A lot of times you get businesses that want you to follow them back. We don't right. know that. No, no uh, sub for subs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Well, that's episode right, 16, Michael. Up, and remember, there's a fine line between order and chaos. <laughs> it's like we're going to do this with the fingers, Jordan Peterson fingers. Can't resist. Ugh. That's Buckle Up, episode 16. Buckle and up, baby. That's about all for today. Okay. <laughs> mm-hmm.